It's January 4th, 2017, and Happy New Year. Welcome to another edition of Bite Mars Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and, of course, the startup scene. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. We're going to kick off today's show featuring a couple of cool projects. Jason, Jason Sewell from Dev League returns once again to tell us about the upcoming Global Game Jam. Then Corey Payne is here to tell us about YouJoin.co, a site to help online organizing for grassroots advocacy campaigns. And then after the break, we'll talk about a couple of startups building new tools for the real estate and property management sector. And joining us are going to be Bello Silichena and Rexford Hibbs, and both are members of the latest cohort from Blue Startups. How can technology transform the way we buy and manage properties, and what new ideas have emerged as a result of participating in these accelerator programs? You can join the conversation as well by calling in or sending us a tweet after the break. And, of course, we want to start off with our buddy Jason Sewell. He's from Dev League, and, of course, Dev League is uh, creating all these great graduates that are kind of job-ready in the, the programming and coding arena. But there's an event that's kind of an annual thing called the Global Game Jam. Welcome to the show, Jason. All right. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. So I think Global Game Jam, if I'm guessing correctly, has been around for maybe about three, four years. More than that? Um, I actually don't know when it started, to be honest, but we participated in it the last three years, mm-hmm. and so it's one of our favorite events is that, you know, we're always kind of focused on career, getting a job, you know, um, kind of getting all your skills up to par, and Global Game Jam is just a time for us to really kind of just, you know, let our hair down and Well, you guys are coming up with some interesting things. I mean, Global Game Jam, we'll talk about more, but uh, we had a couple of... Uh, folks were on uh, several weeks ago that were talking about the stupid stuff hackathon. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Joe and Joe and Ray are putting that together. Yeah, no, right. that's fun. So, I mean, we have covered the Global J- Game Jam before, but for those who are unfamiliar with it, I mean, what is the Global Game Jam? Um, so the Global Game Jam is a uh, global hackathon that's really focused on game development. And, um, you know, it's, it's typical format, 48 hours, um, come together, form a team, and see what you can get done. So it's not exclusive to software. It doesn't have to be a mobile game or a web game or, or you know, Unity. It can be a board game. It can be, a, you know, a oh. card game. You name it. So it's it's just, It can you know, be old school. So yeah. it can be just, yeah, whatever you. Now, you have had some warm-up events, right? I, I, I was following social media and I I saw a gathering like this past weekend. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so our, our I, I think you originally reached out to John and Kelly from Goma Games right. and tried to get them on right, here, and right. they're really they're dr- shy. Yeah, they're they're you know that's why I love with, working with them is they're very modest but very excellent at what they do and mm-hmm. great to be around. But um, they're really the ones that organize it every year, and then Dev League co-sponsors it, and and we have do a lot of the instruction and stuff. So, um, so we've done two uh two meetups so far um of phaser workshops and then a game art workshop. And then we have upcoming uh, workshops every Thursday leading up to Game Jam. So the next two Thursdays from 8 to 10, uh, we'll have phaser workshops um, of general game dev and then a multiplayer networking workshop. And then, What's a phaser? Oh, so a phaser is a JavaScript-based uh, uh, game framework. So it kind of lays the, the foundation. It's a, it's a game engine that you can kind of easily build on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of our core you know, language for Dev League and then... Um, and then we're doing two more workshops that a lot of people are taking interest in Unity Dev now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's something we're going to start offering um, for spring break, doing junior Dev League classes for as well. So we're kind of started kicking off our our Unity you know training with with these workshops leading up to Global Game. And Unity is one of the most popular.
popular platforms for game development used for, for other games to build on top of. Yeah, it's a hugely, hugely popular popular framework and, and growing all the time. Well, I, I like that you said that the game global game jam is good for also card games and board games. I mean, if, you can, if you think you have the idea for the next Exploding Kittens, then you could come and bring your card set and test it out. But it does seem to me that largely the focus is on some of these technologies and um, digital games and developing in that respect. Um, and the objective is to conceive it prior to this jam and build it during the jam or both? Or when you say 48 hours, what are you trying to accomplish in that time? Yeah, I think most of the time you come in with an, a preconceived idea or, or or you don't and you're just looking for a team to help out. So right. um, so some people come in with ideas. Last year, one of our friends, Evan, uh, had a, he made a, a wood controller that you stand on. It had some sensors under it and so you could kind of control the game by you know moving it with your feet. So kind of getting the makers involved and stuff like that. What's the game community like? I mean, I know that this has been going on for several years now, and there's a community of gamers that love to play games, but what's the gamer, the building of games community like? Um, it's it's growing, I think, worldwide. I, I, I can't remember the exact number, but I saw a figure just rec- in the last couple of weeks that the, the projected game development market is going to be like, $30 billion in, I don't know if it was this year or in a few years or something like that, but the market is growing tremendously. We even have some, uh, you know, uh, Creative Creative Labs is doing a, a mobile dev kind of immersive here now. Unity is kind of offering their certifications and stuff like that. And so, um, and all of us as programmers, that's how we got into programming was we all wanted to build video games originally. Mm-hmm. And we ended up figuring out that we get paid to build, you know, software on the web. Um, but we still, that's kind of where our heart is. And so really even from an instruction point of view and taking it to like our junior dev league classes is is that's a great entry point um you know everybody gets stoked on it and so we're really gonna you know kind of just try to kick that off and and hopefully make the community grow right i mean games are are the are definitely a gateway drug i mean you can look at the popularity of minecraft where it's not you're not just playing in someone else's world but you're building things and you can even create your own scenarios your own contests build based on what you build my my um my uh, middle son does a lot of that for example um for people who come looking for a team obviously in many hackathons, the actual development talent is the is the golden nugget, the one that you need really to make something happen. But uh, what would you say are some of the talents someone might bring if they're not a developer that could be valuable? Um, it's really anything you can you know if if you if you can do sound, if you can do um, any kind of art, you know, digital art, even um, you know, Goma Games, they they built a, their own CMS airship CMS. And they're giving everybody that participates a free instance, so somebody that could just come do content on a CMS to kind of present, you know, the final presentational website. So I mean, and that doesn't take a whole lot of technical skills. So, so I mean, that's a content management system. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of dedicated to the game. So you have to fill it with the content, and that sort of feeds into the game. The yeah, game yeah, and that's one of the participant prizes. So and and that's a product that they built that they're really just getting built out. Oh, and and that's actually our our new Dev League website is going to be launching on that in hmm. probably next week. Oh. So. Now, in terms of uh, global game jam, global, I mean, it's worldwide. It's taking place all over the place. And it's all happening this, I mean, you know, during this weekend. What are the, what are the I guess, prizes? Or what is it that people get recognized? What are they actually participating to win? Um, for the most part, it's bragging rights. I mean, those are our favorite kind of hackathons, right? It's like, let's just come together as a community and, and really just have fun with friends and peers. 
Um, so we're going to try to come up with some prizes. We're still kind of lining up sponsors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the airship CMS credits are going to be, you know, people, um, that's a prize that Goma Games is giving. Us mm-hmm, as Devly, mm-hmm. I think we'll probably give some credits for, um, like, some Unity training or, or some of the workshops that we do. Um, and then we'll be lining up some other stuff, just, just fun stuff. I mean, it probably won't get too crazy. But um, the event itself doesn't offer, like, a global prize. But it's it's bragging rights, you know, if you win global game jab that's that's a pretty nice badge oh, that's sure. interesting yeah. so i mean um, even for bragging rights is there's not a second round that goes u.s and then beyond that international no not for this event oh, okay, they, they've okay. kept it purely you know kind of just for just be about making games now when you say um let's say bragging rights but are you uh do you have a panel of judges do the judges sort of look at the the participants and determine which game perhaps fulfilled the most criteria of whatever objectives you set yeah, I think the, um, I think they have a they have a judging panel. And actually, I, I should know a better answer for that question, but I think you know we'll do some local judging here again, just to make it fun for the people that come out. Um, we're actually going to at our Junior Devil Academy going to have uh, do a mini event for like high school students as mm-hmm, well. So for mm-hmm. people that want to come down to that, we'll probably give out some prizes there as well. Oh, that's so. great. So for the Global Game Jam, you have a couple of workshops coming up before the main event. Remind us of those dates and then where people can go to learn more information. All right. So we have uh, every Thursday the 5th and the 12th at uh, Manoa Innovation Center for the phaser workshops. We have uh, the 13th and the 14th also at Monona Innovation Center for Unity workshops. And then Global Game Jam itself is uh, October 20th through the 22nd. Um, like I said, high school, middle school, we'll have a Junior Dev League Academy. For adults, we'll have it at Manoa Innovation Center. Um, and that's from 3 p.m. Friday till 6 p.m. Sunday. And if you want to find out more, you can uh, check us out on devleague.com or on Facebook at Dev League and um, also at GGJ dot airshipcms.io so globalgamejam.airshipcms.io wow okay all right let's see if i can remember all that <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes <laughs> okay at our site because so, all of the all those uh, leading up events are somewhere like on the facebook page or on your website yeah we're announcing it through okay. all social media channels and then like i said dev league and, and goma games will be or airship cms will kind of be both blasting stuff out okay ryan i'm going to ask okay. you to send me that uh, note later on you got it okay very Bitemarscafe.org. good <laughs> thank you jason for joining us thank you and, of course, next up, we want uh, Corey Payne to tell us about this new uh, site that he's created called YouJoin.co. And, of course, it's a site to help online organizing for amazing grassroots advocacy campaigns. And, Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Now, tell us a little history behind what ultimately now is called YouJoin, right? Because we've had you on the show before, and you've talked mm-hmm. about uh, some advocacy software that you were working on. Give us a little history. Yeah, funny enough, it goes all the way back to, I guess, it was 2005, maybe. Styrophobia was trying to get a law passed. It was a state or county law. I can't remember. And they they, they whipped up this um, testimony made easy site. Uh-huh. And I, at the time, was working with a, a, a CRM. You know, they call it the customer relation management tool that mm-hmm. I was using because I was running a, a small nonprofit. And I thought, wow, this is great. You know, the the tool I was using was so expensive and it was really difficult to use. So I, I reached out to the the guy that built that and I said, Hey, let's let's whip this up so other people can can do the same thing and he didn't have much interest in that. So uh anyway, we I I, I four iterations later it has turned into U join and it's taken a whole bunch of different twists and turns. Great. So the purpose of this really is, and we're coming into the a new campaign, not campaign, legislative session, right? And so prior to the legislative session, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes, creating 
draft bills, talking to legislators. But once the session starts, that's when all the testimony needs to be submitted. So what part does you join play? It plays a part in really the whole thing. And uh, the what I what I think it does is just help simplify the whole thing. I mean, it's not it's the politics and the you know the legislation side of it can be intimidating but this just makes it easy and simple and it, the the main thing it helps people do is build their own branded landing pages so if you have a community group or a organization you just get your logo and you put it in there and you make a landing page and you start sharing it on um you know social media channels and email and uh people can go to this action page this landing page and really easily send a message to their legislator they don't have to know who their legislator is. They just put in their address, and it automatically sends it to the correct person. Wow. So, so if I had a bill that I'm trying to work through the you know the ledge and mm-hmm. get the various people to take a look at it, I could actually get an account on UJoin and and start to do some of the messaging through UJoin. Amazingly quickly, you can have a campaign up and running that will just take off, and you'll all of a sudden have a whole bunch of people who also feel the way that you do. They want to get something done and um, you'll be off to the races. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people are familiar with uh, advocacy sites like change.org, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. almost like national level petitions to to get something onto the the larger uh, national agenda or in politics as well. Um, But it sounds to me like youjoin.co is working more for local municipalities, cities and states. Um, we do, yeah, exactly. I mean, we also tap into. We have customers that that do federal legislation oh, okay. and weigh in. Um, but instead of just collecting a roll call of, of petition names that you ultimately don't own, we're saying you brand your own web pages. You own when when you get when you start building your list, that's yours. We don't want anything to do with it. That's yours. And instead of just collecting names, you're actually sending unique messages to legislators. On UJoin, you can actually record a video message that gets mm. plunked into an email as a thumbnail. Mm. So the profile on UJoin, is that based on an organization trying to advocate for a cause? Or can a, would a profile exist for a specific bill, for example? And people... Anybody can do anything. Most of our customers right now are actually state-based nonprofits doing, doing policy stuff. But uh, any neighborhood group, like if you wanted to um, fix a crosswalk or a stoplight or something in your neighborhood – Really, all you'd need to do is just whip up a logo and kind of create and whip up a free website if you want to, and then put that logo in, into your own branded landing page. And it gives you all of the pieces you need. So, for example, if you mm-hmm. had a nonprofit f- focused on open data and you had legislation coming out to help fund <laughs> uh, hackathons, for example. Yeah, and that's yeah. a great idea. So <laughs> you would, as that organization set up this page, a profile on UJoin, and then send that link out far and wide. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wanted to support your cause, there would just be action items they could do. Click here to do this, click here to do that, and this is how you can help. Yeah, and it's all clean and simple, very intuitive. It's It makes it easy for the end user to really just get in there and, and do it quick. Now, if I wanted to <clears throat> focus in on Hawaii constituents and wanted to get something out to Jason, uh, would the would the tool allow me to be that specific, or does it you know, if you put it out on Twitter, I mean, it's going to go to all your Twitter followers, right? So how can I specify it going to, let's say, the, the tech community that I know? Mm-hmm. Well, you, instead of just sending it out far and wide on social, you could actually share the the action landing page through email mm-hmm. to your to your email list to the key people mm-hmm. that you want it mm-hmm. to go to. Oh, very Is good. there a discovery element? I mean, if I felt felt like I just need to support a lot of good causes and I want to see what's going on broadly, can I go to you, join and see what? We, we didn't bake that in. We did ah, in the okay. original design, but then we just said, you know what, this is 
this is for our customers. We want to stoke them out and let them do it how they want to do it, and they'll they'll build their own communities. And one thing we take pride in that most of the other competitors in our space do not do, and that's um, we we don't touch anybody's lists. That's their own. It's their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it's a beautiful site. I'm looking at it now. Um, but to make things happen also takes sustainability. It takes an ability to develop and support and continue work. So uh, Ujoin has free features and pretty much everything that you need to do can be free, but there are, you can pay to get some extra features. What are, what are those premium features of Ujoin? Yeah, one thing that we love that we just added recently is a bill tracking dashboard where you can just very easily search for bills um, in any in all 50 states in the federal uh, level, and you just plunk it right into your dashboard and set it up to get text messages. So, you know, if it's four in the morning and, um, you know, the, the legislators are burning the midnight oil and they're like, oh, we got to schedule this bill, it'll send you a text message as soon as that goes through and, and you'll know. And then you can just click a button and it'll download all your bills into an Excel file so you can share it with uh, and report it to however you want. So mm-hmm. how are that? I'm kind of curious how the notifications are built in. Is it based in the systems that state legislatures use for their own management? So let's say there's a secret meeting on a, on a holiday where they say let's dismantle some kind of effort, ethics. ethics oversight yeah. committee and that pushes through. Is How would you know that happened when you're normally not paying attention? Well, the, uh, any time that any movement happens on the bill it has to be reported either through the, I think through the committee reports or somehow, but that all that activity by law has to be mm. tracked and, and um, the scrapers are set up to to ping the state ah. legislature or, or pull that data at the top of every hour. Excellent. So with the state, you can go to capital.hawaii.gov and there's probably a, a good resource that you could start to scrape, you know, whatever postings get put up there. But mm-hmm. let's say you wanted to follow an ordinance for the city and county. Would you have the same ability to track those kinds of? Not uh, yet. It's, it's it would be to do every county. It would just be a massive lift. We could do it here in Hawaii, and maybe that would be a good start. But we don't have county county legislative data yet. Oh, I see. So even for for Hawaii counties, uh, you couldn't you couldn't do it. N- yeah. Not until they have their own portal that makes that information. Ah, available. okay. Yeah. And then yeah. so so for the state stuff, you could. You could. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So. There's a freeze version, there's a paid-for version, and the paid-for for, for version is, is how much, or is it depending on what features you want to buy into? It's the Right now, it's a flat fee, $30 a month, and um, it also includes a, an email management platform similar to uh, like MailChimp or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Constant Contact, mm-hmm. and um, that's that's a feature a lot of folks use. Oh, you can good. send the, um, emails um, specific to certain legislative districts if you just want to ping a, a certain legislator's district. Well, we know among our listeners there are many people with causes they want to support and rally support. So if somebody wanted to use these great tools at uh, Ujoin, where should they go? Uh, it's Ujoin. It's the letter U, uh, join.co. C-O. Don't even need the M. Just stop at C-O. <laughs> and what? They can just uh, sign up there and then it'll get in touch with you and you can work out the, whatever deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go and email you and maybe you get special radio hosts. Uh, oh, look uh, at you. Oh, using Come your connections again. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> Well, thanks, Corey, for joining us. Thanks, yeah. Of course, we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Bello uh, Silichena and Rexford Hibbs, and we'll talk about the latest Blue Startup cohort and, of course, their startup experience. How do they see changing the real estate and property management marketplace? Of course, we'd love your thoughts or questions as part of that conversation. You can give us a call at 941-3689 or reach us toll-free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. And, of course, we're live in the studio. You can tweet us your questions at BiteMarks or at Hawaii. This is BiteMarks Cafe. You like being in the know, and HPR emails will give you previews of what our local music hosts and news and talk show teams are working on. 
Sign up online for our emails and receive special offers and invitations to events too. Of course, the real advantage to you is that you'll be the first to hear of the exciting station news just around the corner. Find our email sign up form at hawaiipublicradio.org. Swing in the new year with jazz duo Lenore Raphael and Wayne Wilkinson. Experience their unique style and chemistry in our intimate Atherton studio on January 14th. For tickets to this evening of Jazz Standards, call 955-8821 during business hours or go to hprtickets.org. Sponsored by Bonnie Rice and the Rice Partnership, Wealth Management. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today are Bello Silichena. And Rexford Hibbs, Hibbs, and of course, Bello is the CEO, co-founder of a company called the Condo App. It's a way for property managers to communicate directly with residents and, of course, commercial tenants in the most effective way via smartphones. Rexford, meanwhile, is the founder and CEO at RealtyReturns.com, a real estate crowdfunding platform. He is also a co-founder and former CEO at DreamFunded.com. And, of course, how do these uh, sort of... These apps see this market, and how does the accelerator process help them succeed as they graduate? And, of course, we'll love to hear your questions and comments. That number, the call is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. We want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Well, thank you. It's, it's great to be here. Yeah, Bert, Ryan, I appreciate it a lot. Sure thing. Now, you know, we love to talk to the companies that are coming out of the blue startup uh, cohort and get their impressions of the accelerator experience and often like to hear their, you know, their dreams of what will happen once they graduate. But before we get to that, I want to have you both explain a little bit about what your company, what your startup does. And Bella, we'll start with you. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> so the condo app, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an integrated software system that allows property managers to to communicate more effectively with their residents. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way they do it now, as you know, you might well know, uh, they use you know paper notices, bulletin boards, email, Telephone. phone calls, mm-hmm. and so what this does is it takes advantage of the fact that most of your residents are mobile, and so by sending out your notices. Uh, your maintenance, administering your maintenance requests, and all the other sort of tasks that you can do, such as reservations for elevators, uh, reservations for the rec area, mm-hmm. <coughs> barbecue areas. Mm-hmm. It allows people to, managers to buy themselves time by, you know, administering everything from that interface. Yeah, time is money, absolutely. I mean, I, I one of my favorite uh, landlords I was with for decades, and um, we stayed with her properties, but, you know, they, they kind of relied on the bulletin boards and our 
in uh, Makiki, they would always put notices up in Korean. And I'd be looking at that and I hope that's not something important because <laughs> I can't tell what they're trying to say there. But uh, a, a way to, to reach your tenants is very important. So uh, how large would you say your ideal – or actually how small would you say uh, someone could be as a, as a property manager to use your solution? If I have my auntie's house and a room above my garage, is two enough? Or are you looking for like maybe an apartment complex with 10 units or something? Well, well, well yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's, it's actually – you know any any size where any sort of the threshold is when you get to a point where you have to communicate uh, with us within a certain frequency of time. So let's say, and and, and you can't necessarily do it in person, mm-hmm. um, or it becomes a hassle for you to do it over the phone or via email or using bulletin boards. The fact is, people don't see that; uh, they don't read the bulletin right. boards and so forth. So. Um, you know, we've the smallest uh, building that we have is uh, about thirty-five units. Now, Billo, you know the idea seems a terrific one. I gotta think that there are other apps out there that may serve this purpose of being the aggregator, the focal point for messaging for a property manager. Yeah, are you yeah, guys the first, or well, are there others out there? Well, we. Uh, you're right. You're right. There are other players in the game, uh, mostly on the mainland. Mm-hmm. Our most of the people, the people in the in the space, are doing uh, back end type back back office uh, software, mm-hmm. and then they supplement it with some type of a communication thing. Whereas ours is all about communication, so it's all about you know soothing that relationship between the property manager and. The resident. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see how maybe a player might kind of focus on the business management side of it on the back end before really looking at communication with their uh, tenants. And we want to learn a little bit more about the condo app, certainly. Um, yes. But uh, let's give Rexford a chance to explain uh, your startup, the RealtyReturns.com. Now, um, I work in real estate tangentially. I work at an MLS and a uh, real estate data company. And certainly when you're reading the trade publications, uh, crowdfunding and real estate is very hot right now. Um, so so I'm very excited to hear what your approach is to this space. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. Uh, I'm really excited about our model. Um, we're a real estate crowdfunding platform, and we essentially allow everyday Americans to invest in real estate properties for as little as $1,000. So we provide both debt and equity investments. Um, on the debt side, it's essentially peer-to-peer lending. Um, you can kind of think of Lending Club, where we provide uh, hard money loans to developers who come in and flip homes. Like, have you guys seen the TV show Flippers? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's very similar to that, where we pr- uh, provide the loan to the investor, to the developer, and then our investors get paid back monthly on that. Um, and then on the equity side, we're actually doing some really cool stuff. Um, currently, we're doing some condos in Waikiki, and we allow investors to participate and actually co-own those properties for as little as $1,000. Um, so they rent the actual condos out you know, to people that are vacationing to the island, um, and they make uh, residual income on that each month. So that's interesting. I mean, when I first heard of the idea, I thought, oh, okay, it's like GoFundMe where I can try to get all my friends to help me buy a condo. But that's not exactly what you're doing. You're using real estate as an investment uh vehicle, but because it's hard to find the money to find that first house to start this whole house flipping business, for example, you could do it in a fractional way. You could say, well, I'll put $1,000 in for this developer who wants to buy this condo, and because he thinks he can see this return after he completes his 
renovation, for example, puts it back on the market, that market, we can participate in his profits. Is that effectively it? No. So it would essentially be a, a group of investors that come together. Um, and there could be you know 50, maybe even 60 people that co-own a condo together. So they would all be an owner in that condo individually. And so then any rent uh, expense and any, any money that would come in for ah. revenues would be distributed throughout the owners of the property. So, okay. So let's say there's 50 owners and they all contributed, I don't know, maybe $5,000 a piece. That's not two hundred fifty thousand. That's not going to buy you much, but let's yeah, say. well, but but yeah, <laughs> we're we're kind of getting close to that, right? Sure. But for the purchase, you have fifty owners, and the the fifty owners are now kind of all together, and they have to be represented as a as an entity, right? So you create sort of that structure for that entity, and then you you handle the the disbursement of whatever, let's say, investment monies that not investment monies, um, let's say rental monies that come into that, that ownership. Yes, absolutely. And, um, then, and then what happens when they want to sell? Do they go through you to actually sell that property? Yeah, so down the road, you know, once the property values go up, uh, we make a decision to sell the property. You know, that can typically be anywhere from four to six years, mm-hmm. um, depending on, on the life cycle of the property itself. Now, what happens when you have 50 people that own the place and not all 50 people agree? Um, well, you know, then you get into some different issues <laughs> right there. <laughs> but um, is that is that a, is that an issue? Like, okay, so let's say you know me and Ryan and forty eight of our friends, you know, we all want to get into something, but all of a sudden Ryan doesn't agree with everything that I say, and he says I don't want to sell this thing at this point in time, but I do. Well, how do you resolve? Well, that? you could buy me out. I mean, I would imagine the same sort of things that you get in, even with families when they inherit properties and they all are owners, but they all have different plans for it. There, there, there would be mechanisms to have. It, it's essentially the easiest way to look at it would be hands-off real estate investing. So a lot of our investors are coming into this not wanting to do that kind of legwork. Mm. You know, they're wanting to get uh, uh, low-risk returns um, mm-hmm. on their money, and mm-hmm. this is a good way for them to do that, mm-hmm. you know, without having to unclog toilets, you know, without having to change <laughs> light bulbs, you know, the, the typical, uh, you know, maintenance stuff that uh, a lot of people have to deal with. Um, and so, you know, we make the decisions on on most of the properties. You know, when they sell and stuff like that down the road. So that stuff that you just referred to is that stuff that you folks would have the responsibility to handle the, the unclogging the toilets and you know fixing the <laughs> stoves or whatever reservations for the rec center. No, that's a great that's a great question. Uh, one actually I get asked quite a bit. Um, in a great example is the Waikiki condos that we're working with, and uh, you know the actual individual units. I mean, most of these buildings um, have individual property managers right. that are in the building themselves, right, right, okay. um, and so they actually would would perform all the maintenance and everything for us. So it's very, very hands-off um, for the investor themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I love both of these ideas. And yeah, I like no, the, how they're, they're related, but I'm also curious about the founder story. I mean, first of all, you know, Bello, you were an HPU student, I understand. Yes, yes, you yes. clearly had to deal with rentals, I would imagine, <laughs> and maybe poor communications from landlords. I mean, yeah. what sparked the idea of uh, the condo app and how did it become something that you said, I'm going into an accelerator program to make this a reality. Uh, good question. You know, I um, when I, when I actually I'll, I'll, I'll reverse a little bit. Um, I left, so I was at HPU two thousand one to two thousand five. Um, moved to California for a few years, and then upon my return, um, I, you know, I sort of I come from living in a house and came and lived in a condo. And it was my first time, you know, and I lived at this building called One Archer Lane down the street. And I, uh, as a resident, there were certain things that I saw and heard sort of from the resident's perspective. But I also made really good friends with the management. And, um, and through that rapport, 
I thought that came to find, hey, there's there were a couple of there were a few more than a handful of pain points that these guys were dealing with, mm-hmm. and so and that was the genesis of the condo app. And so they said, hey, look, um, could you put together? Could you put something that would be able to do this? Maybe a text message or something. And I said, well, we could do even better than that. And that was the ground zero. So, so did you have a background in software development, in project management? I mean, what turned this into a business? Into a business. Well, uh, what turned it into a business is that it, it was a hit at one Archer Lane. And other property managers started to take notice. And then there was demand. So it wasn't sort of uh, this one-off thing, which I had sort of gone into it thinking, hey, uh, yeah, let's solve this problem. Um, to answer your other question, I'd been doing uh, software development for over 10 years. And so sort of just came right in. And, but you uh, started with a paying customer. That's always a good thing. Started with a paying customer, and um, we're up to 45 uh, buildings uh, in, in in the Hawaii area. And um, So when you started, uh, you were probably, you were, were you the principal software developer for the application? And because you are one of the co-founders, right? Correct. And so who is the other co-founder and what experience did he bring he or she brought to the table that kind of rounded you folks out? So um so yeah, um Michael Harding, uh CEO and and, and co-founder. Uh he's had extensive experience in uh, construction management and building management. Mm-hmm. So he sort of came from that angle. Mm. And you know, when we were when we were developing the for example the maintenance request uh, portion of the app. He had uh, a lot of input into that and really sort of uh, a bird's eye look at, okay, so this 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 might work, this might make sense for me from a software standpoint. Right. Um, but really, by and large, uh, most of this came from feedback that we received sure. from the actual property managers. Customer themselves. discovery. Customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, customer so, discovery. Uh, Rexford, what's your background? I mean, uh, with a name like Rex- Rexford, I imagine you were just flipping houses and you're a real estate mogul already. I just thought, <laughs> I, I thought you'd do this for fun. But le- what brought you to uh, creating your, your company? Um, well, I actually grew up in a very strong real estate family. Uh, my father was a notable uh, developer up in the Seattle area uh-huh. um, in Washington, uh, Arizona, and Oregon. So I, I've always kind of grown up in the, in the real estate stuff. Uh, I had a very good understanding of it from a young age. Uh, but upon graduation from Menlo College in San Francisco, um, I met uh, my co-founder of DreamFunded.com, uh, Manny Fernandez, who is a notable Silicon Valley angel investor and uh, turned out to be my mentor. And so uh, together we launched DreamFunded, which was uh, Silicon Valley's first uh, registered crowdfunding platform that allows everyone in the world to invest in startup companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's still operational. It's, it's doing well in San Francisco. But that was kind of the catalyst for my uh, crowdfunding experience. So I had a lot of hands-on um, I guess, growth with crowdfunding at, at its very early stage. You know, crowdfunding is a relatively new thing, you know, online. Um, and so it was, uh, it was good for me to kind of get in that bubble. And so I decided, you know, talking to investors um, after co-founding Dream Funded that, you know, they're really looking for kind of lower risk returns in a lot of ways. Yeah, with um, Dream Funded, I imagine, and with the Jobs Act, it's easier to facilitate buying a tiny piece of a mm-hmm, software mm-hmm. startup. But in many ways, you're still buying what could be an imaginary product when you're talking about real estate crowdfunding, there is a tangible asset involved. And I think that, I mean, is that 
the main difference? Are there other major differences between what DreamFunded does and what uh, Realty Returns does? So they're both Title III platforms, um, and that's kind of the main thing, which Title III allows everyone to invest in uh, private equity offerings for the first time in 83 years. And that, that was uh, kind of the catalyst for this. Um, and so I decided, you know, by talking to investors and figuring out, you know, what they were really looking for, uh, that real estate, you know, was, was the, uh, the best approach for, for the uh, Title III. Um, so it was a great opportunity, you know, and one that uh, wasn't, wasn't and targeted um, for Title III specifically. Mm-hmm. So I found that as a huge opportunity. And then, I mean, as you alluded to, Ryan, you know, everybody understands real estate for the most part. You know, someone has an aunt who owns a duplex or something and rents it out. Um, and so it's, it's something that everyone can understand. Now, Rexford, uh, you, you graduated from Menlo Park. Uh, you were in the Bay Area. There are probably a ton of accelerators that you could go up and down 101 and find, right? And what was it that attracted you to blue startups in Hawaii? That's a great question. Um, and to kind of understand why uh, the real estate aspect of what's going on in the United States right now um, is very unique. Um, you have a lot of investors coming in from overseas, uh, specifically China um, and Japan. And so we saw that as a large opportunity for us uh, with realty returns. And since Hawaii is so centrally located between the United States um, and Asia, uh, and it has such a large influence here, um, we decided to be the perfect fit for us, you know, to kind of merge the two, as well as, you know, the local uh, real estate economy is just booming here. And that was something that we wanted to be a part of. So you saw the the positioning of Blue Startups being here in Hawaii sort of at this crossroad better position than perhaps a Y Combinator, you know, in the Bay Area. Yeah. And another thing I, I love about Blue Startups is that it's very hands-on. Um, you know, some of the incubators and accelerators that are in the Bay Area are, are quite hands-off in a, in a lot of uh, aspects. You know, they have great networks and everything like that. And don't Here's get me wrong. Desk, Abby, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong. You know, they're great programs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some of them you only have to show up to, you know, a couple times a week and you check in with your mentors and everything. But I really love how Blue Startups is... Um, very hands-on. You know, you're there every day. You know, you're interacting with your mentors. You're going to meetings and meeting new people, new connections. Um, it's a very nurturing environment and one that uh, I felt would be the best fit for uh, Realty Returns. And Bello, I mean, here you have a, a an app, a product, a service. You found a pay- paying customer. You found more customers. It sounds like you're already on the road to having a successful business. But obviously, thinking in terms of a startup, you're looking for an exponential opportunity for growth there. What made you uh, jump over and go for an accelerator program like Blue Startup? Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, before we were introduced to the concept, um, you know, we were just working day, day to day, just, you know, pounding the pavement, doing whatever. Um, to be quite frank, we didn't even know that, you know, now in retrospect, that we needed uh, a Blue Startups so badly. Um, you know, Blue Startups sort of really showed, uh, showed me um, how much I didn't know <laughs> and, and, and really how much uh, we've grown so much in this whole process. Uh, so, you know, from our business model changing to just the mentorship, which is, you know, awesome, is, 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 is terrific. So what was it? I mean, did you did you hear about Blue Startups? Did the accelerator idea or concept? Kind of, kind of float by you, or we w- did somebody sort of introduce you? And say, hey, Bello, you know, you better, yeah, 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 you know, yes. ratchet up your game, and maybe this accelerator yes. might help you do that. Yes, yes, yes. So we were introduced by a mutual friend, mm-hmm. uh, who you know, uh, you know, thank God it was the timing was was perfect. We were thinking, we were entertaining the thought of of actually going and branching off to the mainland because we, you know, we're still experiencing growth here. But um, I'm glad that we didn't. We held our horses. And, um, 
you know, got through, went through the accelerator program, and now we're going to actually, you know, move forward with 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 a plan and with 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 a purpose. Good, good. Now, you know, I I, I do want to ask uh, Rexford how he found out that Blue was such a nurturing. I mean, we know Shanoa, and we probably know that her program would be nurturing. But how would you find that out on the mainland and and decide that? Oh, yeah, you know, I want to go to Blue, but. And before we ask you that question, or before you get to answer it, I want to have that, uh, keep that thought in your mind. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with both Bello Silichana and Rexford Hibbs about the real estate sector and the accelerator program. Of course, we'd love to hear from you as well. If you've got a question or a comment, you can call 941-3689 or reach us from the neighbor island at 877-941-3689. You're listening to Bite Marks Cafe. It's the new year, and the times, they are changing. Nowadays, the necessity to own a car, I think it's not present like it was in the past years. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. The mobility revolution and the players behind it. Next time on Marketplace. This evening at 6, right after Bike Marks Cafe. I have got you. Be sure to tune in on Sunday afternoon at 5 for Sinatra, the man in the music. We'll hear the song Sinatra recorded in May 1974 for his reprise album, Some Nice Things I've Missed. I'm Guy Steele, inviting you to join me for Sinatra, the man in the music, Sunday at 5 on Hawaii Public Radio. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Hawaii Pacific University and Ulupono Initiative. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa, and we're talking to Bella Silichena and Rexford Hibbs about the successful launch of their startups. And, of course, you can give us a call. That number here is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Right before the break, we were talking about how both of these uh, startups, uh, these CEOs, these key individuals here decided to go to Blue and and Rexford, you were saying that you were surveying the field. You were looking at, I guess, programs that were hands-on. What was it that led you to believe that Blue Startups was any more hands-on than, than any other accelerator out there? Well, I was lucky enough uh, through my interaction with Dream Funded. I got to, got to go to a lot of demo days and you know meet a lot of startup companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually quite a bit of people in the Bay Area that that are talking about blue startups. You know, it's not uh, you know something mm. that that's a, a hidden uh, accelerator. Um, so I'd heard the name, you know, tossed around, um, and I'd heard good things about it. But I think it was really my co-founder at Dream Funded, Manny Fernandez. Um, he knew a couple people that were involved with the program and uh, had great things to say about it. So. Well, that's great to hear because, you know, sometimes I hear, uh, you know, people think Kauai, what, you have a tech community out there and you have accelerators? Oh, that's, you know, unthinkable. And then when they do find out that there is an accelerator, they sometimes poo-poo the idea that, oh, how can there be an, and drink how, yeah, how can you be an accelerator in, in, in Hawaii? Right? I mean, what, what can you really do? So I'm glad to hear that there's some positive, you know, verbal conversations about the, 
the accelerator programs here in Hawaii. Yeah, and I, I think kind of the funniest thing about it is when I tell people, you know, hey, I'm in a accelerator program in Hawaii. They're, you know, are you working hard or hardly working? You know, so <laughs> that's, that's kind of a stigma to get around. But uh, yeah, it's a great program. You know, I, I absolutely love it. It's, mm-hmm. it's done mm-hmm. a lot for our company. Good. Well, I, I'm glad to hear they've they've done a lot for you, Bello. You mentioned that you know you thought you were fine. You're moving along in your business. You got you're companies, organically. revenue company. You got customers, but suddenly you didn't know what you didn't know. And yes. Blue Startups helped you in that respect. Tremendous. So what changed? What did what lights went on in your head to help you rethink how you ran the condo app? It was uh there was, there was there's so many things. Uh you know, it's uh, it's a very intense program. So, you know, you have to th- sort of think of it as the way I describe it, it's like it's like uh putting squeezing a two-year MBA program into 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. really intense. So um, the mentorship really helped. Uh, so getting guidance, um, Our um, shout-out to our mentor, Bill, uh, Bill Spencer. Ah, Bill Spencer. Ah, you know Bill. Um, Bill was our lead mentor for our startup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bill's, Bill's really sort of nudged us here and then, give us, given us some tough love. Um, <laughs> yes, you know, and <laughs> uh, and really nurtured us. Uh, so uh, everything from our business model, because initially we were selling to individual buildings, and you know how it is with HOAs. You know, mm-hmm. the boards of directors meet once a month mm-hmm. or once a quarter, mm-hmm. once every other month. There's and a so lot of politics. It's not a fast-moving organization. Right, 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 right. So uh, through Blue Startups, we identified certain things and r- realized that we've got to take this, uh, look at this from, take a different approach and go to the property management uh, companies, and we changed our, and that changed our value proposition. Uh, so many different things sort of changed within that uh, decision itself, but so many other things uh, down the line have changed as well. So, property management companies are a different organization than the the, the homeowners or the owners Correct. of the condo. They Correct. have more than one complex, basically. Correct. Correct. Okay, yeah. so then they so, can actually get you into potentially more properties. Correct, and so then then it becomes a question of okay, so what's what what are the pain points for the actual property management company? Because we're addressing the pain points of the the the, the, the tenant, the resident, and the uh, the on site property yeah. manager. Right. But what are the problems? Uh, other problems at large for the actual governing body of mm-hmm. this of this of this thing? And so uh, that took us back to the drawing board. We've done so. We've done extensive customer discovery, which we wouldn't have done. And we found answers to questions that we ha- weren't even asking. So, um, so instead of looking at the One Archer's Lane's property manager, you'd say, like, I don't know, what would be a company like Hawaiiana or right or Associa, uh, right, right, exactly, and say, hey, okay, so what at so and so that forced us to sort of go step a step further and say, um, what are their pain points? What can we do to help them? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it's, it was sort of like a cause for pause, mm-hmm. you know, pump the brakes, take a breather, and then. You know, address these these issues as well, and so that changes, as you might know, uh, every single uh, part of your of your business, from the code, from from your individual for the actual platform, to the business model, to the business plan. Mm-hmm. Now, so, Rexford, uh, in terms of your experience going through the accelerator, uh, did you find it as as eye opening, as beneficial as as perhaps Bello and? I'm, I'm also curious about the idea that there I, – I, I would think maybe Blue, Blue has some sort of specific verticals that they're, they specialize in. But I'm, now I'm hearing that they can perhaps apply their expertise to a number of different verticals. So how did you benefit from it? 
Um, our company has benefited immensely from the Blue Startups program, and part of that is just understanding things that you didn't know you needed before. Um, Bello was alluding to this earlier. You know, coming into the program, you know, we had a working platform. You know, we had a model that was proven, mm-hmm. um, and we had a very solid team. So, you know, we had most of the key elements there already. Um, but we hadn't really identified um, some of the smaller aspects that really play a large factor in your company's success. You know, that's UI, UX design. You know, that's uh, solidifying your marketing message. You know, doing uh, A-B testing with different aspects of the platform. You know, like how this button appears on your front page, you know, to increase the amount of signups that you get from visitors that are already on your platform. Um, so individual aspects of it like that um, have been immensely helpful for us. Um, and then the mentor side of it, you know, our uh, our lead mentor, uh, Rob Robinson, has oh, been yeah, Rob, yeah huh? he's been absolutely awesome for us. Wow. You know, connecting us with uh, real estate guys from all over uh, and gals uh, from all over the island, um, and so that's been that's been great for us as well. You know, because we're also always looking to uh, you know build partnerships with local brokers, local agents, um, you know, to help fund uh, some of the properties that are local on the island. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as Bert mentioned, I mean, we like to feature all of our accelerator programs and some of the companies that are coming through them. But I did participate in Blue Startups last year, um, and I can definitely identify, you know, Bill Spencer, a great uh, uh, lead mentor, and I also identify with the phrase uh, tough love because <laughs> you, you're not going to these programs to be coddled and to be told you're, you're special and you're going to do great. You yep. are going to be told things you aren't prepared to hear because that's what the real world is like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rex, for starting with you, uh, can you channel or remember a specific piece of feedback that you might have even resisted and argued against that turned out to be helpful in the long run? Yeah, there's. I think there's two two things that that come to mind immediately. Uh, the first of which was kind of the message that I was portraying um, about realty returns itself. You know, coming from the industry, you know, you think you know, you think you know that everyone else knows what you're talking about. You know, when I talk about Title Three, which was the mm-hmm. part of the Jobs Act mm-hmm. that was recently implemented that allows everyone to invest. Um, nobody knows what that is, you know. So when I was pitching somebody, or I was, you know, having a conversation with somebody, I would just be talking right over their head, you know. And I know it very well, but most people don't. So kind of taking a step back, simplifying things, and understanding that not everyone is an, an expert in what I'm doing um, was was great. You know, it's kind of an eye opener with with that because everyone else that I was working right. with on a daily basis understood it fully. So I, I wasn't able to see that, um, you know, in its entirety, and. You know, the other thing that I I think I've learned out of this whole thing was that you'll have mentors from all over the place, you know, advisors from everywhere come in. And if you try to take every single person's advice, you're going to get so lost. You're going to get pulled (laughs) from the left to the right and back and forth. Um, And so that was, you know, something that, yeah, that we struggled with, you know, in the first month is trying to listen to every single person that came in and gave us advice. Um, So it was it's very important to kind of hone in on the people that that you trust, that you want to listen to and, and stick with them. Otherwise, you'll get pulled under. Now, is that an experience that uh, you had with Blue? Were a lot of people giving you advice, or did you? How was it that you were able to focus? Um, I think the ability to focus kind of came out of um, a need for it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> after the first couple of weeks of the program, you know, I'd spoken to so many people that had come in and talked about mm-hmm. you know UI UX mm-hmm. marketing, you know, all these different aspects, and, and you know, there's multiple people that come in and, and you know discuss similar things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some that that kind of crossroads, and everyone has been great. Everyone's super smart. You know, they all know what they're talking about. Um, but you you can't listen to everyone. You just can't because sure, right. everyone's opinion differs. Right. You know, in in a slightly different way. Um, and so 
out of necessity, I kind of had to take a step back and be like, whoa, okay, you know, we're, we're taking advice from 10 different people right now, you know, all saying different <laughs> things, and we're not making any progress. Right. So that was kind of an, uh, a necessary thing that I had to make as a decision to say, okay, like, I, let's pick these people, and then let's just continue with them so we, we can continue in, in a uh, strong, strong uh, direction. I can certainly see that. Bello, you mentioned it's like an MBA program in 14 weeks. No, absolutely. Um, what uh, <laughs> yeah. blew your mind? What, what made you uh, go home with a headache? <laughs> oh gosh, um, everything. You know, just 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 like he said. You know, there's an element of whiplash. Um, you know, with with getting different, and 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 by all means, they're all, you know, uh, they're all relevant. Uh, I think what you what 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 I did is I sort of had this little internal conversation, as, and and I established my own. Uh, tr- sort of true north within myself and said, okay, great, uh, I'm going to take everything, but I've been running this business for a year now, and I know what's going to be, what's going to uh, be applicable, and I'm going to internalize that, absorb that. But uh, what's also blown my mind is the uh, the, the sense of the, just the, the fraternity that we have within the cohort. Uh Gosh, we it's it's like a family now. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. been amazing. Mm-hmm. Everyone that's in the cohort, we've we've bonded. Uh, I think we're going to be life friends, and um, the support that you get from uh, people that are other other startups that are that are within the cohort is it's it's humbling, but it's it's also it really helps. Good, significantly. Good. Now the uh, East meets West is coming up pretty quickly, and I want to hear a little bit of both of your, let's say, expectations out of participating in East meets West. Bello, um, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be uh, really good. Uh, I've never done anything like it before, mm-hmm. so it's virgin territory. Uh, Primarily, are you going to be pitching? And I'm going to be pitching. Yeah, I'm going to be pitching and. Um, uh, I look forward to making contacts. I look forward to, you know, putting uh, uh, the condo app further on the map. Mm. And um, and what I what what I really look forward to doing is being able to uh, make the necessary contacts that'll that'll enable us to take this thing to the next level. Yeah, mm-hmm. the connections with Asia has always been a big part of East Meets West. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. year, you have Casey Lau, the entrepreneur in residence, who's yes. helping put that program together. He has many contacts in Hong Kong, so mm-hmm. I, I think it'll be great. So, uh, Rexford, how about you? I mean, you mentioned you know, certainly real estate, Asia, investors. There's a lot of overlap there. Yeah, there is. Um, there's quite, quite a bit. I, th- I think uh, I'm really looking forward to East Meets West. I've been looking forward to it you know, since I heard about the program and, and we, we got uh, accepted. But I think one of the biggest things about our presentation that uh, will come out of it is kind of putting a name and a face to the platform. You know, that there's a, there's a delicate balance between investing with somebody you know and then investing your money, your hard-earned money, you know, online with somebody that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a big uh, barrier that we really have to overcome is, you know, coming out from behind the platform. You know, and, and really being a person that um, an individual investor can feel like they can come to. You know, uh, we always answer our phones. I mean, I answer the phone, you know, when anyone calls our company. So we really want to have uh, that transparency, you know, behind our platform because that's very important to us. No, I, I, yeah, I was going to kind of um, explore that a little bit because whenever you're investing money, there has to be some high degree of trust. Absolutely. With, you know, whoever you're investing it with. And especially with uh, with an app, you know, you could – 
use the computer as a way to buffer you between the investor and the actual people behind the uh, application. But if people can now trust you from a person-to-person level, I think that would be great for the company. Yeah, you know, I, I, we want to be on the other side of that. You know, I, I honestly want to meet every one of our investors. Mm-hmm, I, I know that mm-hmm. that's you know not possible, but um, you know, the trust level is definitely something that's super, super important to us, and, and kind of the the premise that we built our platform around. I can see that. So looking beyond this Mm -hmm. great conference, obviously the point of Blue Startups is to get you ready for that next level, to find investors, to grow exponentially. Uh, Is there a V2 or V3? What's the next milestone that we can look forward to, uh, Bello, for the Condo app? What's the next big step you're planning to take? The great thing with our concept is is that, you know, it's it's, – we're going off the – People with our customers have large portfolios, and so it's it's a matter of landing, you know, some really good uh, three, four, you know, five big deals. Um, so we need we need do we do need funding. We need some investors. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we we've got some people that are interested um, to take us to that level. And you're looking outside Hawaii, and right? we're looking to expand to definitely expand to the mainland. That's our next step. Uh, uh, Singapore is, is is another very fertile, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, log- ne- logical next step for us. We've got contacts there, Excellent. and so that's where we're we're, we're sort of looking. And Rexford, f- how about you? Well, what what's the next press release we should look forward to, look forward to out of uh, out of uh, your startup? Um, next press release, I would say. Um, Closing our, our seed round ah. is, is something that uh, you know will be on the horizon here coming up very shortly. Um, but also, you know, something that is is right in in our uh, front window, you know, is is really changing the stigma behind real estate investing. You know, when when people tend to think about real estate investing, they tend to think about you know some super rich guy, you know, in a penthouse tower somewhere in a suit and a, you know uh, smoking a cigar. But people think that real estate investing is kind of out of their reach, and that's something that we really want to change. Mm-hmm. You know, I've uh, been in real estate for quite a while. And I honestly, I don't see real estate that way. You know, I, I believe it's something that everyone should be able to participate in and make money off of. Um, so that's kind of the stigma that we're, we're trying to smash. You know, Very we're good. trying to democratize real estate. So where can people find the uh, Realty Returns? Uh, at Realty Returns uh, on Twitter and then uh, www.realtyreturns.com. Very Fantastic. good. And uh, you can find us at thecondoapp.com. Very good. So... Bello Silicena is the CEO co-founder of the Condo app. And, of course, Rexford Hibbs is the CEO founder of Realty Returns. And we want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you Thanks so much for having Bert. us. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. And thank That's you good, for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about artificial intelligence and the future of work. And, of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. And I'd love it if you'd follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And, of course, there's a lot of exciting things coming up at Hawaii Public Radio and, of course, in this new year. So stay tuned. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. These days remember
miss you 